All right. Holy Spirit, part two of three. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. How many of you have had backgrounds in this? Different thoughts, different feelings? Anybody? A point of unity in the body of Christ. I love this. Jesus said in Luke 3.16, another gospel here, right? I baptize you, well, this is John speaking, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, and the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Lord, we ask this morning that we would be full of your Spirit, that she would grace us with this, that you would fill us each to overflowing this very thing you're speaking of. We thank you that Jesus has paid the price, and not only has paid the price, but has given us himself, his spirit. And we ask that it would be overflowing this morning. You would empower us for the work of the ministry you've called us to. And so, Lord, I I know this morning that there are so many people in this room, Lord, with different circumstances going on, each needing your power, each needing your touch. And even within each of those circumstances, many splinters within each one, dynamics that need your overriding wisdom, need your spirit within us to overflow, to affect Lord, there are many in here who feel discouraged and defeated, many who feel overwhelmed or indifferent, perhaps. Perhaps just turned off to the things of God. Dry, a desert. There are those, Lord, who are entrenched in sin and refusing to budge. There are those who are walking tight with you. Lord, we are all sheep before your throne, and we ask that you would grace us with your presence and your power in the name of Jesus. Amen. John seven thirty seven. we're going to take a flight here. On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water, torrents of living water, will flow from them, within them. Very loud voice. I wonder how loud that voice was. With all the people and the things going on, Jesus stands and he has this bold proclamation at the end of this feast. He's standing in the temple courtyard. This is the Feast of Tabernacles time when they're celebrating the harvest. Things are going on. They have this different things. Well, the Lord commanded them to have the seven-day harvest, but they've added a lot to it. They've got this wave offering where they have palm branches, and they cry out, Hosanna. They go around the altar waving these palm branches, and there's this wind. They do this every day. There's the seven days where they are pouring out water on the altar. They pour water on the altar and it runs down the steps. 
and it's going to the people, and they're remembering the faithfulness of the Lord, how he gave them shade, how he gave them when they, when they were in the wilderness and their journey as, as the people of Israel, how they were thirsty and they struck the rock and water, torrents came out. So there's this picture in the hearts and the minds of the people of God as they're watching these imageries, these things that are going on within their ceremonies that are reminding them of, they're supposed to be reminding them of what is going on back in the day, how faithful the Lord was. And on the seventh day, it's the culmination of all that, and Jesus stands. You've had seven days of wind, you've had seven days of water, and now they take water and wine and they pour it on the altar, like is more than they did before. And it just comes pouring down the altar, this water and wine. Why water and wine? I was, I was reading the Jewish encyclopedia talking, they don't know. Of course, we know the picture of the water and the wine. Jesus' heart was pierced. Blood and water came out. We celebrated that. But also that picture of that living water that flowed from the altar. And Jesus cried out and said, Is anybody thirsty? How many of you have been churching it for seven years? Any of you thirsty? Any of you dry? Any of you been doing the feasts and going to church and doing all the right things and all that stuff, and you're just weary and dry. Jesus would stand at the height of all that. He'd say, is anybody thirsty? Come to me and drink, and I will give you living water. That pouring out, he spoke about it often, the wind at the well there to his disciples. This water that would be welling up within the life of the believer, overflowing. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, this is not exclusivity, it's inclusive. Anybody who believes in me, any, any of you who believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And he gives more detail in verse 39. He says, by this he meant the Spirit of whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that, up to that point, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Last week we focused on the words of Jesus in John 14, verse 15 through 18, where Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a common theme. And he goes, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And remember, we talked about how the world is incompatible with the Spirit. We, we cannot receive it. We've got a broken transmitter. Sin has done us in. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in this passage, Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth, and he promises disciples another advocate, another helper. And that word another is, is that word, Greek word, Alan, which means not another of a different kind, another of the same exact kind. Just as Jesus was in a limited form in a body, the Holy Spirit would be in an unlimited form in spirit. I will send another helper. It's of the same thing, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, same person. Yes, we can get into the Trinity thing. I want to stay away from that today. We've talked about that. You can go back to my teaching a year and a half ago on the Trinity. But the Spirit of Jesus, 
he would send it. He would not leave them as orphans. He would, he would come to them. Another spirit, the spirit of promise, the advocate, the helper, the one who, the paraclete, the one who would walk alongside of them. Jesus says in verse 7, the world does not see and we're known, but he lives with you and he will be in you. And we focused on those two prepositions in the Greek, with and in. And the Holy Spirit is with us before we are saved. He walks alongside of us, convincing us of our sin, of the righteousness of Jesus and the judgment to come. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is how we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit was testifying of our sinfulness and that Jesus is our righteousness. He is the righteousness we need, and that there is judgment coming for unrighteousness, Satan and his whole tribe of people. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is, that is how he works in and through the church to the lost world. That's why Jesus came, the first thing out of his mouth was what? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. A great light had shined upon the darkness. And the great light of Jesus Christ has shined upon each of you. And he exposed us for who we are and we said, oh, save me. And when we receive that testimony of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is no longer just walking beside us. He now fills us. He comes into us and makes us a new creation. In Christ Jesus, praise God. You are now a spirit-filled, born-again believer. God has filled you with his spirit. He's made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is no longer just with us. He is now indwells us. We have gone from judgment to grace. From darkness to light from death to life. I love that. The Spirit of God now dwells in us. In us. And the promise of the Scriptures, He does not depart. Like in the Old Testament, takes off whenever it comes back. Come, he's, he's permanent fixture. He's the down payment, the proof that we've been born again. The Holy Spirit is within us. And I want to spend more time on that part of it, and we'll get to more of how that works in our lives next week. But Acts 1.8, there's a third preposition found in scripture he is with he is in he says but and he's speaking to the disciples he says in acts 1 8 but you will receive power it says hey wait in jerusalem but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you epi that's in overflowing that's a different thing that's with in upon overflowing it's overflowing if i had a cup of water and i set it here i set a pitcher next to it it is with pour it up fill it up, it's in, overflowing as you keep going, it just goes over, right? Kind of that picture. This is the epi in the Greek. He says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's this epi, this overflowing, this filling of the Holy Spirit that God has for each of his believers. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, the disciples would know that they were filled with the Holy Spirit when they received power and they became a witness. There were signs associated with the filling of the Holy Spirit. They would become 
powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now there's a lot more. There's the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week, right? Love. But that's not the focus this morning. And really, that is the purpose of the overflow of the Spirit in the life of the believer, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke of, that they would be filled with power to become witnesses of Jesus Christ. They would be empowered for the ministry that God had called them to, the purpose, the calling. And this, by the way, was a prerequisite for the ministry that the disciples were called to. It is the prerequisite for the ministry that we are called to. So as I look at my own life, as I look at the life of our church I, and ask, are we a people who are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit? Does what he says and what's going on, do they match up? And if not, why not? And how does it happen? So what does it look like? You know, what's the fruit of that? I want to take an honest look at that with you because I, I sense that in our fellowship and in my life, guys, we just, I have a deep need for more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need him to fill me to overflowing. And I believe that the Lord, if he's going to truly impact or the lost around us. We cannot do it in the strength of our flesh. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, He is with us. Yes, He is in us. But is He overflowing? Are we an overflowing people? Do we have that power? Are we the witness? Are we filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Do we have the gifts of the Spirit operating and flowing in our body, in our life? Now, immediately, in my flesh, I want to go to theology. Instead of just saying, Lord, is there just more you have for me and I'm just not asking? Quite often, the things that, and, and I'm not knocking reading the scriptures and studying it and seeing if it's true and lining those things up, but quite often, in my own heart, in my own mind, I'll justify why I don't do something, you know, and I'll try to find scriptures to support it, whatever it is in my own life. And the Lord's just saying, just ask or just give it up or just, you know what I mean? So I want to have an honest dialogue with the Lord about this. And Jesus said in Acts 1-8, and this is him speaking to his disciples, but you might receive power. He's emphatic. You will it is a fact. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, starting in your hometown, spreading out, starting your family, starting your own personal walk, and spreading outward. Jesus did not say you might receive the Holy Spirit. He said you will receive it. You will receive the power, and you will receive the witness. When we are filled with the Spirit, we have power. The word for power is not personality. 
It's the word dynamite. Where we get the, it's dy- dynamis. It's, it's the word we get dynamic, a power. It is not based upon my personality. It is a dynamic in the spirit. There is a, something happening. You know, it's so funny. If you read some of these old-time preachers, they would stand and they would read their messages like this. And Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And they go on for an hour and people would be just falling over crying and converted. What's going on? There was a dynamic in their lives. They were filled to, with the Holy Spirit. There was a great revival happening, not because of the lights and the bells and the whistles and all the things they did and, oh, and I got to entertain you and make a joke and blah, 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 you know? It's the Spirit of God through a broken vessel just saying the truth of the Lord. What a grace. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. This power, this dynamite, this dynamite. And the purpose of the power, friends, is to be a witness. You know that word witness? If you look at it in the Greek, it's the word uh, martyr, which is where we get what? Martyr. You will be my martyr. Now, what does that mean? Why do people... It's not that because you die that you're a martyr. It's because you are already dead. You are already committed. You are already there in your heart. You already denied self. God fills you with the ability to be filled with Him and deny yourself and speak the things of the Lord. You will be my witnesses. I love that. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. You cannot witness without the power that the Spirit gives. Everybody listen. Repeat it in your mind. I cannot witness without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I cannot do it. Fact. I cannot be a witness without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And perhaps, friends, this is why we struggle with telling people about Jesus, sharing the gospel. We're not filled. We don't have the power. And I'm not talking about a, you know, the different levels of Christian and all that stuff. I'm just saying. Perhaps we don't know better. Perhaps we've never asked. Whatever the situation is. Perhaps we're just giving into the flesh all the time. We're so full of the world we can't allow him to fill us. I don't know the, the dynamics in each of your lives. But be because we lack this dynamite, we lack the feeling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm not speaking of personality. I'm not speaking of personality, friends. That's not what it is. And our culture, culture worships the personality. That's not what we're talking about. Oh, I need to be more charismatic. I need to be more exuberant in my expressions. I need to be, no, you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God works through our personalities naturally and he'll use them for different things. Just need to be you and filled with God. The powers in the gospel. The Holy Spirit gives us power to become witnesses. The word for witness we've talked about is martyr. Those who are witnesses of Jesus Christ are by ne- definition dead to self and alive to Christ. We're full of God confidence, not self confidence. God confidence. How many of you can say, I'm confident in God to share the gospel through me? 
We're called to the Great Commission, right? And I would say this, I would encourage you with this, that any of us who lacks that power to witness in our lives, which we are all called to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, sorry, no excuses, what we truly need and is fully available to each of us is to become filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills us and he gives us the power to be a witness of Jesus. I say this over and over again. This is when people surrender their lives to the call of the Lord, not because of our eloquence or because of our worship team or because of my education. No, it's the gospel. The power is in the gospel going through broken people. Jesus filling you, filling me, filling this church to do what he's called us to do, what he's created us to do, to share his light, to reflect the image of God. And I'm emphasizing the power to witness this morning because that's what the scriptures emphasize when you talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but when I see my life and I see what the Lord actually desires to do in and through it, as I look at scripture, I, I, and I talked about this a little bit, but I begin to justify away the lack of power witness in my life. It's not my gifting. It's not my calling. It's not my personality. I don't feel like it. But I think this is just what the Lord is getting at with us. I think this is just what the Lord is getting at with us. Look at what I promised you, not how you feel about what yourself. Look what I say. It's not about your heart. It's about my heart in you. Let my heart fill you. Let my heart change you. Let my heart overflow you and you will see the world through my eyes. There's no mistaking when the Holy Spirit fills people in his church, there's an impact. There's a dynamic impact upon the people around them for the kingdom. Our worship changes, our prayer changes, our witness changes, everything changes because our hearts change. Just look at these examples from Acts when believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, immersed in the Spirit of God, that picture, listen, of baptism, water, going into water. What happens when you water? You get fully soaked, right? It, 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 it covers you. Baptism. John said, I baptize with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fully immersed every part of your life, touched by the Spirit of God. That's what the Lord wants and is desiring for each of us. Let's look at these examples. You know, we cannot separate the Holy Spirit from the powerful witness. Oh, it's just about love. It's just about the fruit. It's not about healing. It's not about power. It's not about the witness. It's not about these things, blah, 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 because that's for charismatics, and we're Baptists. Or whatever it might be. On how the enemy loves to play us on that stuff. But you can't separate it. The priests and the captain of the guard, this is probably Acts 4 somewhere. And the Sadducees, all the religious leaders, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. 
The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem, and the high priest was there, and so were the Caiaphas and John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Those are fighting words, right? I mean, that's just, what is going on there? What kind of witness is that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Quoting scripture, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which men must be saved. Amen. In verse 13, I love their response to this. When they saw these spirit-filled men, and when they saw the courage of Peter, the boldness of Peter and John, and realized that they were what? Unschooled, uneducated. Ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John were filled with the Spirit of God and were a bold, powerful witness. Was it because of their education? Was it because of their PowerPoint presentation? Was it because of their jokes? Was it because of how they related to the culture? Was it because of all these things? What was the difference in their lives? They'd been with Jesus, and Jesus was in them. They were full of the Holy Spirit, and it impacted them. It confounded the people they were talking to. And by the way, they were persecuted and thrown in jail. In the face of persecution, they were filled with the Spirit and reminded of the truth of Scripture, and they proclaimed it to their persecutors. They were uneducated, right? But they were courageous because they had been with Jesus, filled with the Spirit. They were bold. How many of you are told to shut up and stop speaking in his name at work? Where do you think that comes from? And then we somehow justify in our hearts and our minds that Oh, you know, I, I just got, I can do it off hours and I want to be a good witness and blah, 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 blah. You know what? Spirit-filled people speak when God tells them to speak. And it overrules. And by the way, you get persecuted, they bring you in your office and they talk to you and then you start preaching the gospel to them. And then they flog you and throw you in jail. And you have tremendous joy and the church grows. We have compromised And the reason why we've compromised is because we are not spirit-filled people. We're not walking in the spirit. And I'm not talking about going picking fights. But when the Lord fills you, speak. And he will give you the wisdom in the circumstance. Amen? And I know you're going, well, you're a pastor. You get to do that. No, I've worked secular jobs, and I preach Jesus with my mouth. I preach him with my actions and how I work. When I was waiting tables, when I was working as a construction manager, I mean, whatever. Just did it. There were times when the Lord said, be quiet, and I was quiet. There were times when he gave me the ability to speak, and I did. 
but am I willing to? How many of you fear what man will do? Where's your fear? Acts 4.31, we'll quickly go through a couple more examples. Other disciples were praying. This is just after this, after they got released from prison. They were praying, and the place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The effects of their, of their fullness was that they spoke the word of God in extraordinary boldness and Christ-exalting power. They were the people. They were filled with the Spirit, and they became a witness. Acts 6, when we meet Stephen, who is full of faith in the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 5. And Luke tells us in verse 8, that he was therefore full of power and did wonders and signs among the people. But especially in verse 10, it says the leaders could not resist the wisdom in the spirit by which he spoke. His fullness gave him an extraordinary power to exalt Jesus Christ, a powerful witness. Stephen was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He was in charge of the bread distribution at church. He was running the coffee cart, okay? Full. God was with him. The religious leaders could not resist the wisdom from which, which came from him. It was not from him. It got to the point where the Holy Spirit was piercing the darkness so much in that place that the leaders were gnashing their teeth and plugging their ears and screaming. We're done with you. And they rushed him. And they stoned him with rocks. And as he died... Filled with the love and the Spirit of Christ, he said, God, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Wow. What is that? Truth and love, amazing. How our nation needs Stevens. Men and women full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, 17, Paul is filled with the Spirit at his conversion. And as a result, he w- he, uh, was that he spoke in such extraordinary power that the Jews of Damascus were confounded. And by the way, it says he grew in that. He grew in it. We're to grow in it. Jesus grew in it. Acts 11.24, Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And the effects Luke mentions was that a large company was added to the, to the, to the church. People, like Pentecost, it says. It was just like that. It happened over and over again. Acts 13.9, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit as he spoke to Elimus, the magician, right, the sorcerer, and God gave him extraordinary power to pronounce Elimus blind for a season. Do you see how the Holy Spirit that gives believers the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel? The, the filling of the Spirit is directly linked. You cannot separate it from being in power to be a witness. That's the fruit of it. That's what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You become a witness. You receive power. Things happen. There's a dynamic. Now, really quickly, on the other side, we're going we're gonna to be closing here. But what happens when we attempt to accomplish the Christian life apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit? What happens when you try to attempt the Christian life? How many of you are Christians? Raise your hands. Okay, I know who knew who to save now, and I'm just kidding. Whoosh. What happens when we try to live this life without the tools, the power that God has given us to accomplish it? Well, there's a lot of things that happen, and they're all not good, right? Well, remember Peter? It was the night that Jesus was betrayed. 
And they were on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus, this is just after the, the Last Supper. They're on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus says in Matthew 26, Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep, and the flock will be scattered, right? But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus is laying out Scripture, right? And Peter replied, Hey, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And we would all say, Yes! I'm following you, Jesus Christ, all the way to the end. And Jesus corrects that. Verse 34, it says, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter, Peter declared, he said, No, Jesus, you're wrong again on this. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. We forget about that. They all said, Yeah, me too. I can relate with Peter. Lord, you know what I will do for you. I'm going to be your witness. I will follow you to the end. I will do it. Jesus sees right through me, and he lets me thrash my sword around and cut off the ear of people, right? Like Peter would do later that night and deny him in word and deed. And listen, folks, and when Peter failed, he wept bitterly. He denied him three times. He wept, and he he ran away. He got deeply depressed. He questioned God. He left the ministry that God had called him to. He went back fishing. Any of you discouraged in following Christ this morning? You feel like there's just no power? What the heck is going on? You've become depressed. Failure fills your days. Just leaving the ministry that God has called you to, you just leave it behind. The things you used to do start creeping back into your life. You start to go back to what you used to be doing. Perhaps you're just settling for church. Any of that define how you're doing? Do you know the story? Jesus doesn't leave him there. Peter's fishing jumps off the boat, recognizes Jesus, swims to him on the shore, and they have a talk. Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you, know, you know I love you, you know I love you, right? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Restores him. Peter breaks down and cries, and he says, hey, Peter, you're going to be led away. You're going to be stretched out. Your, your arms are going to be stretched out. Peter would be a witness. You see, Peter would be a witness. He would become a martyr, and church history says he was crucified upside down because he felt like he was unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. Jesus reminds him and restores him. Peter weeps. Fast forward a month and a half after this shoreline experience. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls. The disciples are filled with the Spirit and who stands in front of the very people that he had denied Jesus in front of? Who stands in front of them and starts to proclaim an amazing message where 3,000 people are saved? Who stands up and does that? Peter. What is the difference in Peter's life? What happened in Acts chapter 2? He was filled with the Holy Spirit.
Church, the difference in the life of our church will be the filling of the Holy Spirit. Our fruitfulness in our families, each other, each other's lives, our community, our witness, people coming to Jesus in our church, through our church, It's not going to become, happen because of our desire and our organization and what we say we'll do. And our plans and our organization and all that stuff is good. It will come when we are filled to overflowing with Jesus. God empowering us through his spirit by grace. Well, Matt, that's all nice. But how do I become filled with the Holy Spirit? How, how does this happen? In closing, Luke 11. Flip over there. Please. Jesus is in verses 2 through 4. Jesus is just finishing teaching his disciples to pray. And in verse 5, what does he say? He says, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine on a journey, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, go away. Door's already locked, all my children are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, and I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, because of your shameless audacity, because of your consistent persistence, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, Jesus gives you a little bit more insight. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock. Two different sections of Scripture talk about the same thing. This is talking about something specific. Ask, seek, knock. Why do we ask, seek, knock? Verse 10, for everyone who asks, receives. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. If you don't seek, you don't find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you don't knock, the door is not opened. This is faith. It has wheels. And Jesus is saying to pursue God with this shameless audacity. This is what he desires for us to do. And now he zeroes on on what he's talking about, what he's asking us to ask for. Verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Hopefully none of us. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil... You're earthly. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What does Jesus say to do? Ask for the Holy Spirit. Seek Him for the Holy Spirit. Knock for the Holy Spirit. What does that show? Faith. How do we receive the overflow of the Holy Spirit? 
faith. Friends, the same way we came to the Lord is the same way we continue in the Lord. The same way we receive everything from the Lord is through faith. By grace, by the way. The formula is you seek God. You ask. He's not going to give you a snake or a scorpion. Jesus said, your Father will give you the Holy Spirit. Now listen, David Guzik, I love this quote. He says, God often waits for our passionate persistence in prayer. It isn't that God is reluctant and needs to be persuaded. It isn't that God is reluctant and needs to be persuaded. Your God is not reluctant and does not need to be persuaded. Our persistence doesn't change God. It changes us. Developing in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. The purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to do His will. Church, our Father wants to fill us to overflowing. The question is do we want to be filled to overflowing? Acts 2.39 says the promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off. Probably be the Gentiles. That's us. For all whom God will call. Now realize that some of you have theological questions about when this occurs. When does the baptism of the Holy Spirit occur? Is it it a separate event or is it at salvation? And I would say to that, yes. Yes. I think God fills us with his Holy Spirit when we are born again, but friends, like as I've talked about before, we are leaky, are we not? (laughs) We need to be filled and comforted. We need to be put in his arms daily, amen? Yes. Listen, Paul says in Ephesians 5, do not be drunk with wine. He says, do not be drunk with wine. And he uses this as an analogy. What happens when we get drunk with wine? We start to be emboldened, don't we? I mean, I would never know, but I mean, (laughs) so what I hear or what I see from you guys, no, I'm just kidding. When you're, filled with, when you're filled with wine, you become different. You're loosened up. You're not yourself. You become more bold. You start to sing songs. You think you're a great dancer, right? All those things. He says, don't do that, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, what will happen? You'll start to sing songs and speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. See the... See the that preposition or that, that word there is be filled. That be in the Greek is continually, continually be filled, perpetually be filled with the Holy Spirit, which tells me that we are leaky people. So the Lord is calling us as a church to ask and seek and knock and to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we may once again be filled with him and have the power to be his witnesses. Church, how many people have come to Jesus through this church in the last year? We've got to do something, right? What is it that we have to do? Ask, seek, knock to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God will naturally make us witnesses and the power will happen and people will come to Jesus. That's the formula. God, 
Other churches are going to go to all the little things, and that's whatever. If God's leading them, okay. But right now, ask, seek, knock. It's not something I can drum up in you. It's, not some, it's something that you have to seek the Lord for. Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m., right here, we have a time to worship and wait upon the Lord. So let's ask, let's seek, let's knock, let's worship, let's praise. And see what the Lord does in and through us. Next week, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we have things here that are clearly laid out, that are for us. Lord, it's not a one-and-done situation, Lord. You, you want to continually fill us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray for the people in here who are dry and parched and perhaps like Peter, depressed and far away and just letting the world fill their lives again. I pray that you would create in them a a hunger and a thirst, Lord. They'd recognize that thirst for you and that they would come to you and call out to you and you would meet them. Some of us, you're teaching to persevere towards you and that we are not just, it's not an instant gratification situation. You're teaching us to pursue something that that denies our flesh, to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock, to worship. Not that we earn it, but that our hearts are changed and we'd be emptied of ourselves and your spirit would clean us up of sin or whatever it is, that we could be filled with you. And Lord, I pray that people would not walk away with the idea that they've got to change their personality. They just need to be filled with you. Lord, will you use us where we are? Will you fill this church with your Holy Spirit to overflowing? And obviously, we are all desperately in need of you every day. But quicken our hearts, Lord. Quicken our hearts. Cause in my heart and in our hearts a love for you that will not be put out. And let that overflow into the community around us. Let your heart, Jesus, be beating inside of us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.